I saw her apparition in the car one night and it was raining, I remember, and I had the car going and while I was waiting, I just sort of looked back and checked on the girls and I thought, oh my gosh, I can see Mandy in the window. I could kind of tell she was wearing a maroon dress and I just thought, wow, like I've just seen Mandy. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Spirit Sisters, the podcast. This is episode 32, in fact, and I'm sending a huge virtual hug to all the lovely listeners who've taken the time to rate the show and leave a review. Thanks to you, Spirit Sisters is a five-star podcast, which is just so wonderful. Before I get into telling you a little bit about today's guest, I want to share some exciting news. News that will be especially welcome to any listeners who might be missing my other podcast, The Ghost Files, since it was forced to stop production a couple of months ago. So, in the lead up to and around Halloween, I'll be sharing three bonus episodes of Spirit Sisters, all interviews with people who have a story to tell about living in a haunted house. I'm thinking of these as sort of fireside chats, the idea being to celebrate that delicious thrill of hearing someone's ghost story for the first time. So in that sense, they'll be a little bit more raw than the regular Spirit Sisters episodes. I'll be uploading the first of these intimate chats very soon. In the meantime, on today's show, I'm delighted to welcome back one of my original interviewees from my book, Spirit Sisters. My guest is Sharon Eckhart, whose story about communicating with the spirit of her teenage sister following her tragic death features in the chapter called Love After Death in Spirit Sisters. It's a story that, in a sense, is the beating heart of my work because in its quiet, humble way, it shares the truth that our spirits are eternal. I think that many of you will be able to relate to the experiences that Sharon shares. And if you'd like to read Sharon's story in my book, please pick up a copy of the 10th anniversary of Spirit Sisters published earlier this year at your favourite bookstore or there are links to the ebook and the audio version in the show notes. Sharon is a mother of four who lives in Albury, New South Wales, where she works as a food and hospitality technician at a local high school. It was really lovely to meet her face-to-face via Zoom for the first time. The shock of losing her younger sister scarred Sharon But one thing brought her peace, the knowledge that Mandy's spirit lives on, as she's about to tell us. Here's my conversation with Sharon Eckhart, one of the original voices in Spirit Sisters. 
Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast, Sharon. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Thanks, Karina. My pleasure. It's really great. You're one of my original interviewees from Spirit Sisters, and it's just so fantastic to have you back. When I originally started the podcast, I was very keen to get as many of my former interviewees into the show as I could, but I've actually found that a bit tricky to, to contact everybody, to track them down. I, I mean, I guess it has been a long time, but that means that I'm extra happy to have you on today, Sharon. Oh, that's lovely. So let's dive into what has unfolded since 2009, but, and also let's revisit the story that we told in the book, In Spirit Sisters. So perhaps if you could begin, please, Sharon, with sharing that story that you first told me more than a decade ago about what happened in 1995 when you lost your beautiful younger sister. So I was seven months pregnant with my second daughter and I went to have a um, glucose test where you've got to sit there for an hour and my stepbrother came in. So I just sort of had that not very nice drink that you've got to drink when you're having that test. Yeah, my stepbrother came in to see me and I um, thought, what's he doing here? And he just sort of said, oh, you know, something's happened to Mandy. You better go up, you know, get home to your mum's. So I left straight away and I thought, oh, this is odd, like to think I have to leave an appointment to go. And when I was driving, my mum um, lived in a, a street that was one side was high and the other side was low. So there was, you went up one and came back down the other. And as I was driving up the low side to get to her place to turn around and come back on the high side, there were ambulances there and um, they were just leaving. And when I met mum in the driveway, uh, she said that Mandy had died. And yeah, it was a big shock. <laughs> Gosh, I cannot imagine that moment, that, that shock that you and your mum must have been feeling. How, so what happened? What, what was the next thing to happen? What was really odd, though, too, was I actually picked my mum up because my appointment was at 8 o'clock in the morning and my daughter had stayed there the night, my two-year-old, so I didn't have to drop her off early. Then... I went straight to my appointment and I had, no, I didn't, sorry. Mum rang and said, look, one of the girls has um, rang in sick from the shop that they own. So she was going in for an hour just to prepare stuff for the day and then going to come home. So she woke Mandy and said, just keep your ear open for Rhiannon. I've got to duck out for an hour or so. So I actually picked, uh, no, picked mum up on the way and dropped her home, but I didn't go upstairs before my appointment because I thought by the time I get up all the stairs I'll be late for my appointment so I didn't go up and say hello and yeah so when I dropped mum home she walked upstairs into the house to find Mandy lying on the floor just outside her bedroom in the bathroom which was next to her bedroom. What had yeah, happened so to Mandy? Basically we know now she died of an asthma attack at the time, mum didn't know. She sort of tried to work on her and obviously wasn't successful, so rang an ambulance. And obviously whatever happened we knew was sudden because 
mum's found her with her nighty sort of over her neck, like she sort of slept in underwear and then obviously was trying to put her clothing on, but it only got to her neck area and that was it. And then she must have collapsed. So uh, you said that you know now that it was an asthma attack, but so at the time you didn't know. Had, had Mandy suffered from asthma prior to that? Uh, she had, but only ever seasonal. It was never really bad, I guess. Like, you know, some people sort of are on ventilators or I don't know, they sort of have a worse condition so it's more monitored, whereas Mandy's was more seasonal. So she had a puffer, but it was not all the time. Gosh, I can't imagine because I've got a son who has seasonal asthma as well and he's 19 and I just can't imagine that devastation of and also just that unexpected factor because you think it's something that's quite mild, quite managed and then yeah. to have that happen, I just imagine that it must have been like a bomb going off in your family. Oh, it was, yeah, it was terrible when it happened. It felt... Um, very surreal, I guess, like just hard to believe. We couldn't, oh, well, I know for me I couldn't believe this was happening and that Mandy was here one day and gone the next and that's where what I sort of found really hard to start with was, and, and because she was so young and it was probably really my first, you know, experience with death other than I did have a, a grandfather pass away when I was 11, but I sort of never saw him a lot. So I guess, you know, I'd, he passed away, but it didn't really affect me much because I didn't have a, you know, didn't see him a lot. Whereas Mandy, was, you know, her and I were very close. So when she passed away, it was like, hang on a minute, and because she was so young it was like this is not meant to happen you know like I can't believe she's here one day and gone the next and so I sort of struggled with the fact that until I could see her where she was I'm like because yeah I was 20 so I sort of didn't really I suppose I didn't understand death or never had had to before. So you were 20 and Mandy was 16 and it's yeah. interesting as you talk and you say that you, you had this uh, kind of like this unspoken thing in the heart that you wanted to know where she was. Yeah, I did. You know? And it's almost, and we'll go into what happened, but it is almost as if she answered that or she did her yeah. best to answer that for yes. you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But before we go into those stories, I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about Mandy and, you know, just describe her and her personality so that we get a sense of her on the show okay yeah so Mandy was very um outgoing she was a bit of a free spirit very funny caring and you know had lots of friends she touched a lot of people because that was shown at a funeral she her funeral was one of the biggest I've ever been to it was had hundreds and hundreds of people there yeah I guess she was just she sort of said things how they were but, yeah, in funny ways. Like I remember when she was a little girl, she sort of would come out with things. And I remember thinking, gosh, I would never say that. So she was, yeah, I don't know. She just sort of lived her life, I guess, to the best she could, which was great for someone so young and who was taken so young. 
And what do you think your beliefs were about spirituality and the afterlife before Mandy passed away? Um, I don't know that I really had ever thought about it a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd sort of had to think about it or, or nothing ever really um, prompted me so much to think about it. Because when Pop died, like I said, I was 11, I think I just thought, oh, well, that's what happens. You know, when you're older, you die. But it was more so because Mandy was so young, that's where it was like, hang on a minute, this is, yeah, this is different. Mm. And it made terms, me think about things. Yes, of course. And in terms of Mandy herself, do you, are you aware of any beliefs that she had or any understanding of the afterlife or the spirit world? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not sure what beliefs she had either. She was so young, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Often young was. people, you know, they don't. I know like having conversations with my two and they're older, they're 19 and 20, and it's not something that crosses a lot of kids' minds at, at, those, at those ages, yeah. But no, not unless you're faced with it. Yeah, and you were, and Mandy's death set you on a, a sort of a spiritual quest, didn't it, Sharon? Because just based on what you were saying, you, you just can't be here one minute and gone the next. You've said that in our interview, and it's actually in the story in the book as well. So how did that spiritual quest play out in your life? What steps were you taking or what sort of synchronistic events took place that began to open you to this awareness? Probably to start with, like I said, it was my inquisitiveness, not, I think, you know, not knowing what happens when you die. I thought I need to know more or I want to find out more about this because Mandy was so young and because of the grief and I suppose I felt a bit unsettled inside and, and sad, I suppose, with her passing away that I thought, you know, there has to be more to life than just being here and dying and that's it, especially if you're so young. So I remember, I can't remember actually if my friend had a dream first or if I, because it was so long ago now, but my friend actually had a dream. So I, yeah, I'm guessing she dreamt first about Mandy and that Mandy took her out to the cemetery and showed her a headstone. And so I said to my friend, oh, what did it look like? And um, she explained it to me and it, I thought it sounds exactly as she's explaining it because she hadn't seen it yet. It hadn't been long out at the cemetery, her headstone. <clears throat> so I said, I'm going to, I want to take you for a drive and show you what her headstone looks like. So we went for a drive and she's like, Shaz, that's exactly what Mandy showed me. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, like that is amazing I kind of hadn't heard of things like that before okay or if I had I wasn't really you know aware of it very much and so did your friend share any mm. other details from the dream did did Mandy say anything to her in the dream or did she just sort of was it silent and she just sort of showed her her headstone no I'm just looking back on some notes actually yeah, that I wrote years ago because it, it's hard to remember those of details course. from so many years ago. I had written here that Mandy told her she was young to die, but it was her time to go. In the dream, Mandy showed her the headstone. 
And when she described it, it was exactly as it was. What when did she you... described it to my friend. Yeah, I'm just wondering what your friend thought when she actually saw the real thing. Oh, I think she was a bit taken back and thought, oh, my gosh, like I can't believe that it's exactly what she showed me and or so, how she described it. And so Mandy had said to her, I was young, but it was my time to go. Is that right? Yes. Yep, she did. She said she was young to die, young to, young to die but it was her time to go. So how long after Mandy passed away did this happen? I can't remember. Obviously, within the first year, definitely. Okay. okay. Um, maybe within the first, I can't remember when the headstone went on, so it was after the headstone was there. But time-wise, yeah, I don't exactly remember. So and then... How, so, sorry, go on. Oh, that's all right. I was just going to talk about, you know, the dream that I had. Yeah, I want to hear that. about that. I just want to ask you one thing about that dream, about your friend, that your friend had. What did you make of it? What did you think about this event? I just thought, wow, like it must be Mandy who's communicating with her then, you know, that even though she's gone, she's still alive, not in physical body, but her soul or spirit or, yeah, that part of her. Yes. So that is a very powerful realisation, especially for you, Sharon, who hadn't given too much thought to these matters prior to Mandy's passing as you say you hadn't really been called to do that there was no real need what effect did this have on on your grief I guess it it gave me a sense of peace to know that she was still maybe there somewhere or that you know there was all this information I don't know about that I'm yet to learn about with regards to what happened when people die and that yeah, I guess it gave me hope, you know, even though she's gone, she's still somewhere. Yeah, she's gone physically, but she's still out there somewhere or can still look over us and, you know, be there in a, in a different way. And then when you did have your dream of Mandy, this, I guess, cemented that, that newfound idea that she yeah. still existed. Tell us about this dream and, and how, long after the, um, uh, how long after your friend's dream was this? Yeah, like uh, time-wise I can't remember exactly because it's so long ago now. Like Mandy's been gone 25 years now. But I dreamt that we were at the church for her funeral and we'd been taken to a room to say goodbye to her, like an open coffin, I suppose. And I went and kissed her on the forehead and she, it's like she woke up and put her arms around me and she got out of the coffin and, and I made her a red cordial, and, which she loved. Red cordial was one of her favourites. And, um, yeah, it was really interesting at the time. Like in the dream, I'm like, oh, and then, and then all of a sudden it was time for her funeral and I was like, oh, ma'am, you better get back in the coffin. It's nearly time for your funeral. Yeah, and so then I woke up but I I felt like she'd really she'd come back to say goodbye that was her way of and this dream was so real compared to you know I've had other dreams and you think oh yeah they're dreams but this was there was something about this dream that made me think that she was there she was really communicating with me and and to me it was her way of coming back to say goodbye 
because we didn't get to say goodbye. Yes. I remember you telling me that in our original interview that one of the things that really compounded the grief for you and, and your family was that Mandy passed away by herself. That she, yeah. yeah. So it's quite beautiful that she's making, you know, these real, this effort to, to let you know that she's still there. And it's so lovely that you made her the red cordial that she loved. And it was a real back to sort of a moment that you would have shared many times, I guess. Yeah, it was like it was just how things were before she died, I guess, yeah. in that dream. Like, yeah, so it was very comforting anyway. And then I guess I did have other other things too. It's like she was trying to show me all different ways that spirit can communicate. I saw her apparition in the car one night when I was leaving a friend's and I'd put the two my two girls in the back of the car and they're both in car seats I was just waiting for my husband at the time to you know say goodbye and come out and it was raining I remember and I had the car going and while I was waiting I just sort of looked back and checked on the girls and I thought oh my gosh I can see Mandy in the window and I thought oh I'm seeing things so I broke my vision and looked back out the front because I was in the driver's seat and looked out that windscreen and thought, I'll look back just to see if I was, you know, seeing things. And I could still see her in the back window. Now, it wasn't, it was, it was her apparition, so just sort of like the outline, but I could kind of tell she was wearing a maroon dress. I just didn't see all her exact facial features or anything. But it was her, like I just, I knew it was her. And I just thought, wow, like I've just seen Mandy. At the time I was like, thought I was seeing things. But then, yeah, then I realised, I thought, you know, it's like she's trying to show me all different ways that spirit can still communicate with us. And that um, even though they've passed away, they do still live on or they're still there somewhere. That maroon dress, was that one that you were familiar with? I can't remember if that's the one that she was actually buried in. I think it could have been from memory. So you could see her in the back windscreen, is that right? Not sort of sitting Uh, between your girls or anything like that? No, in the back, because I was in the driver's seat, it was in the back left-hand window of the car. So it was as if she was outside of it? Or? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, it, and I guess the rain, because you said it was raining, would have yeah. added to that sort of the outline, the shimmery quality that, yeah. that I'm imagining. Yeah. And what did you think? Like, I know that you said you were quite astounded. I've just seen Mandy. Where did you go from there? Did you tell people? Or uh, Yeah, I did. Not obvi- Obviously not everyone, but yeah. I t- told certain people and... Um, you know, friends and I, I'm sure I would have told my mum and family and that sort of stuff. But I guess it, yeah, it really opened my eyes to that sort of stuff. And another thing that I did come across years ago too, which I can't remember if it was before that dream even, but back around all that sort of time when all that stuff was happening, I was in Big W one day just looking around and there was this, oh, like a table area and it just had all random books in it. And I don't know why, I just saw this book that said Children in the Spirit World. And so I picked it up 
and had a read of the back and thought, oh, I'm going to buy that. And when I read that book, I just felt it's like what I'd been seeing and the dream and everything was all kind of confirmed in this book that it was real and these things do actually happen. So I read this book and I, I got such a great sense of peace after reading this book and thought, well, you know, what's happening to me with dreams and seeing Mandy and that sort of stuff, they're all signs that she's communicating with me from her level in the spirit world. Yeah, it was validation, but also I had such a great sense of peace mm. after reading, you know, her book about experiences because she could communicate with spirit. She was a medium or a psychic medium. So I got a lot out of reading that book. It's like it, it felt a great sense of peace with where Mandy was and I guess what was happening, yep. the experiences that, I'd had. Yes, and that sense of peace, I can imagine, would have been so welcome. Yeah, and, and I suppose because I did think you can't be here one minute and gone the next, it sort of answered that mm. was an acceptance then that what I was thinking was kind of right in some ways. As you say, Mandy showed you many ways that spirit can communicate. So she, she showed herself to you that day, and, but she also did other things such as touch lamps were coming on. There were toys, your girl's toys going off in the middle of the night. Uh, there was a piano or was it a toy piano, Sharon? Yeah, Tell toy us, piano. Tell us about those things in some detail. So the one with the touch lamps, that was happening in our old house all the time. Both the girls had touch lamps in their bedrooms. Whenever we'd go to put them to bed at night, they'd both be on. And I'd be thinking, how are they both on? Like the girl, I'd say, have you girls been in there and turned your lamps on? And they'd say no. And I thought, okay. And I think at the time it was winter. And so I was thinking, oh, when the heater clicks in you know the fan clicks in on the automated thermostat maybe that short shorting and the touch lamps are sensitive to that so maybe they come on because they were both on I just sort of had that thought and thought oh well they're on all the time I can't do much about it but then when we sold and moved house the same thing continued in the next house and that's when I thought radio heard about how spirit can intervene with electrical lights and different things so I thought I wonder if it's Mandy just letting us know she's around and watching over the girls or or just letting us know she's there kind of thing and so after that so because it was happening in the other house I thought maybe it is and then I actually had validation when I took mum to see um, a psychic medium that came to Albury it was a show it was a guy from Wollongong, I think. Yeah, it was a guy from Wollongong. And so anyway, we've gone into this show and we sort of sat right up the front and so we hadn't met him or anything and then he started his, his show, I guess, and after a while he sort of said, oh, I'm getting a, you know, he was coming over near mum. He'd already done a couple of other people, like people had come through for them and had them validated and, then he came over to near us and was, you know, sort of near mum saying, oh, I'm coming over here somewhere. He said, I'm getting an MAR or an MAN. Mm. And mum said, yeah, Mandy. 
And he just said, the first thing he said, you've got touch lamps on all the time and you don't know why. And my jaw had just dropped. I thought, oh, that one thought I had thinking it could have been her, it was validated. So, and I suppose I was questioning my thoughts because I didn't exactly know, but I guess that maybe that could be it. But I, you know, you don't know for sure unless you're told or someone else, I suppose, validates it for you. And yeah, so that was when I thought, oh, you know, that one thought, I shouldn't second guess what I think, you know, those thoughts that I have occasionally, especially when it was happening all the time. Yeah, so that was really nice to sort of have that confirmed because then it just solidified that, you know, Mandy was really around, which was, yeah, yeah, nice. And also, yeah, with the toys, we would have, you know, those little toys that maybe you press the belly and they haven't worked for a while, just all of a sudden start playing or the lights would go off on them, the music would start playing in the middle of the night or... And I reckon it used to sort of happen around maybe the kids' birthdays or a significant kind of event um, or my birthday. Yeah, the kids had a toy piano, like a little electric one, so it had batteries. And that, yeah, that hadn't worked or it was turned off and all of a sudden that would be just playing out of the blue. And another time I went to bed, woke up and the down lights were on above my bed and I said to my husband, did you turn those lights on at all? And he's like, no. And I said, oh, okay. So then I just knew that obviously it was Mandy. I didn't ever second guess those things after that because it was happening quite often back then. I just knew that it was her. That just must have been so comforting for you, Sharon. Yeah, it was. It was really comforting to know that she was there in some sort of way and yeah I sort of felt privileged I didn't feel I never felt scared I guess when I think about it I just felt privileged to think that she you know was there showing us that she was still there in her own way that she could be um, even though she's not here with us in person yeah that she was using a physical person yeah yes and she was using whatever means were available to her to to get through And yeah. one thing that strikes me is that often it has, she, she seems to be present where the, the children are present. So in your car yeah. and their bedrooms, you know, comforting. It's, it's very sweet that she would prepare them for, help sort of prepare them for bed in a way by turning on their yeah. lap. Yeah. yeah. Really, really sweet. And I know like when she was alive, I, um, Rhiannon was two and she absolutely adored her niece, Rhiannon. So I know that she would, yeah, she was just such a beautiful person and, and, you know, such a great auntie. Like she used to have lots of fun with Rhiannon, even though she was only two. But, yeah, she did lots of fun things with her while she was alive, at, at, you know, even though she was so young. There was a moment too where you thought you heard her voice. Well, at, yeah, at first you mistook her for one of your little girls. Tell us about that. I sort of woke up but not completely woke up I was sort of half awake and thought someone was whispering or someone did whisper loudly in my ear good night because it kind of woke me a little bit I thought oh and I was thinking oh it must be Talia come up in the middle of the night and so I kind of when I 
woke up that little bit more, I sort of looked and thought, oh, Talia's not there. I half expected one of the girls to be there. And I, I think because Talia had come up occasionally during the night, I thought it was her. Yeah, but when I got up in the morning and, and spoke to Talia, I said, oh, did you come up during the night at all? And she said no, and Rhiannon hadn't either. So I thought, okay, obviously it's Mandy. And I just thought, well, that's another way, you know, that they can communicate with you through hearing their voice. Yes. As well, is. like some people, obviously they can speak. Obviously, yeah, I just thought, oh, that's another way. And that's where I always think she's, it's like she showed me all the different ways that spirit can communicate with people. And I wonder if other members of your family experienced Mandy's spirit communication. Well, mum said she had a touch lamp that was always on too, which we didn't realise because it wasn't something we spoke about because to start with, I thought it was our heater setting it off until we moved. And it wasn't until we went, I took her to that show that she, um, she said yes. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realise it was happening to you as well. So, but other than that, I remember mum sort of feeling, I think, a little bit disappointed that she didn't sort of have all the experiences that I was having. Like mm -hmm. I'd tell mum about all of mine because I knew it would probably give her comfort as well. But yeah, mum sort of didn't have a lot other than the touch lamp. Yeah. But it's lovely that you were able to share your stories and in, in a way you could pass on that, that solace that you'd experienced. And that's what I love about storytelling and the sharing of stories, you know. It's a, it's a gift yeah. to pass on to each other. Yeah, that's right. And so, and, sorry, go on, Sharon. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, maybe mum was sort of more overcome with grief in a different way because it was her child that passed away. Um, so, and I know it did take mum a long time to sort of, I don't know if it's accept or get through that, that grief process. Like obviously everyone's different. And for mum, yeah, it did take quite some time because obviously it took years because, you know, her whole world was taken away, I guess, in some ways. Oh, it's unfathomable, you know, what your mum yeah. went through, what you all went through. But as you say, like the, the parents' loss. Yeah, because mum was saying, you know, your children aren't meant to die before you. Mm -hmm. That was sort of mum found that really hard to comprehend. That's not how life's meant to work. I know that your mum herself, she passed away eight years ago. Have you had experiences to let you know that your mum is still with you? Yes, I have actually. Um, when it was within the first week of her passing away, it's sort of when digital TV came in. And so if you had the old, I can't remember what it was called, but the old TV, you then needed a set-top box for your TV to oh, yes. work. Yeah, the, analog, yes. the old analogue. Analogue, yes, yeah. that's right. So we had an a little TV in our bedroom in the wall, like it was a little cutout in the wall. And that was obviously analogue. And I said to my husband prior to mum passing away, obviously, I said, oh, we probably need to, you know, get rid of the TV because we're not going to get a set-top box to, to run that one. So we might as well take it away sort of thing. Yeah, we hadn't sort of done anything about it. And then it wasn't until after mum died, I remember seeing the little red um, standby dot light on and I sort of said to Clint that this morning I, um, I said 
oh, we, we should turn the PowerPoint off and, you know, turn it off and take it away because obviously it uses power when they're on standby and if we're never going to use it, it's kind of a waste. And that was it. He jumped in the shower. I went and fed the kids breakfast, came back to have my shower. He was just getting out and drying himself and I noticed when I walked past that that red light was off and I said, oh, did you turn that? off at the PowerPoint and he said, no. And I said, oh, the light's off. So I thought, all right, that's interesting. Uh, so I went and got a chair because I couldn't, the PowerPoint was right up the top in our um, walk-in robe. So I went and got a chair, stood on it so I could see and reach into where the power cord was and the whole PowerPoint was turned off and neither of, neither of us did it. And it was literally the week, week or week after that mum had passed. And I just thought, you know, that's her way of letting us know she's around. Yeah, so it was very, very obvious. Otherwise, I'm just trying to think. I don't think I had a lot sort of happen, but that was the main thing I remember. And then I did have a dream. I can't remember when that was you know, with relevance to when mum passed away. But it was a dream that we were sort of skipping up the road, holding hands. And it was like I was young with mum and we were kind of just really happy skipping up the road. And so that dream to me was like mum was happy. To me, it was like a way of her connecting with me to let me know she was happy. Yeah, because skipping is a very carefree, joyous thing yes. to do. And we yeah. usually only do it when we're very small children. Yeah. Yes, and that's what it was like. We were holding hands, swinging our hands, skipping up the road. Yeah, so to me it was like she sort of let me know that she's very happy where she is. That is so nice. And there's also yeah. another lovely thing that happened uh, when you were moving into your home. Oh, with the roses? Yeah, I love this yeah. story. Yeah, it is nice. Um, so we looked, found a block of land that we liked and it was going to auction and it was being auctioned in two weeks. So we sort of had a look at the block before we went to the auction, one, just the once, and then we came to the auction and got to, you know, had another bit of a look around on the morning. And just before the auction, I've sort of, looked and thought wow you know like there's already lots of beautiful trees here and part of a garden because we bought just over an acre of a subdivision of someone's garden so it was a very nice area and I noticed on this big old rose bush a massive bush there were two flowers on it one was a rose that had opened up to be a bigger and the other one was sort of the bud just opening up and when I saw it, I don't know why, but it made me think of my mum and my sister straight away. And I just felt like they were there with me or with us at the auction. And we ended up getting the block of land, like we got it at auction. So I, I just had this strong sense that they were here. And one thing I sort of said about with regards to building I was keen to build, but I sort of thought, oh, I'm not so keen to start with a bare slab of dirt and have no trees or anything like that. So I guess this block that we got had so many trees, already some garden. It was beautiful. And so I just thought, you know, it was just lovely to think that they were there with us. 
Beautiful. It sounds like an absolutely beautiful uh, home and landscapes that you have. That story is especially poignant considering something you, you said to me when we were setting up this interview, Sharon, you said that when your mum died and she was only 59, which is so very young, you felt as if you had no one because you'd, you'd lost the girls. And I remember you telling me that. So I wonder hearing about this experience with the roses and knowing that, that getting that real sense that they're both there, if that helps you deal with that feeling of having lost your girls. Yeah, it did in some way. It was nice to think that they were kind of there. But I guess when mum died, I'll, I'll go back to when Mandy died, mum and I sort of, I was sort of there with mum and I had a baby two months after Mandy passed away. So we sort of had, you know, little kids that I suppose brought a lot of light and love into your life through a difficult time. And then we're, and mum and I were sort of there for each other as well because, you know, we'd always chat about things and like girls like to do is talk things through and but then when mum died I sort of felt like I didn't have that anymore even though I've got my own children and I'm close to my children as well but it's different because you know mum brought me into the world and you know carried me I suppose until I was born and that sort of thing and and mum was sort of like the foundation of my life so that's where I found it really hard after she passed away. Yeah, I just thought, oh, I feel like I don't have that person anymore that I can just talk to who, or who understands me like your mum does. Yeah, so I found that really hard. It would be. And, you know, it sounds like you, you two were good friends as well as mum. Yeah, and we were. We were very close. I was close both, yeah, with Mandy and mum and you know, our family was and even with my brother, but I guess boys are a bit different. Circling back now to the sort of the beginning of our conversation, after Mandy's passing, you were driven to search for answers because, you know, and that question is, is so pertinent and it's kind of why I do this show and it drives a lot of my inquiry. How can it be that someone is there one minute then gone the next? Like that energy that makes them them how can it just be gone? And, and we know that energy doesn't die, it transforms, as science tells us. But I wonder, have you found answers to that? Where do we go? Where is she? What, what happens after we die? Are you, are you satisfied with what you've uncovered? Is the process still continuing? No, I guess I'm satisfied with what I've uncovered. You know, over the time, I, if there was a, a psychic medium show or someone coming to town you know I'd go and take myself to shows like that just so I could get some sort of comfort even if it was not me getting a reading or something but just to hear other people's stories and and who um, came through for them and and just how validated it was and how you know these people can't just make up this stuff it's actually what happens so going to those sort of things occasionally helped as well just to validate that yep this is this is what happens I know there's probably a lot of people that are skeptical and don't understand it or choose not to or haven't really had a reason to have to understand whether that's or work out whether that's you know what happens because some people can be quite closed off 
There was one lady I spoke to once, and this was after mum passed away, like maybe a year or two after. And she said, I'm in my 60s and I haven't lost anyone. And I thought, wow, I was 36 when mum passed away and I was 20 when my sister passed away. And I just thought I've had probably the most two significant people in my life pass away by the time I was 36. And so I can understand why some people are very sceptical or closed off or don't believe that sort of thing because they haven't had to experience it. Whereas I was young and I suppose, yeah, with what happened in my life, it made me look and try and find out more about what happens when you pass. When my grandmother died, you know, to me, that's normal. That's part of the, you know, our human life cycle is you live your life, you get to an older age and then you pass on. So that's sort of what seemed to be normal in in society. Yeah, and so when things happen out of that order, you know, it's particularly devastating and impactful. And, in fact, the last interview that I did on Spirit Sisters was with a beautiful woman whose little four-year-old boy died in a car accident. Well, he was hit by a car. And this lovely lady, Michelle, told me that the only thing that helped her was the the knowledge that life goes on in a different form after the yeah. death of the physical body. She said yeah. nothing else could help her. She was throwing self-help books across the room and yeah. you know, well-meaning people were saying things that weren't helping. She told yeah. me in her words that the, the only thing that did help was were the first-hand experiences that she was having with the spirit of Tom and the knowledge that he continued. Yeah, and I could agree with that too. I would say that you know especially with Mandy because that's when I suppose I was opened up to all of this sort of stuff and yeah I felt a great sense of peace knowing that she's still around they can still communicate or that they're just they're there somewhere they are around even though we can't see them does um, Mandy in person. in person yes does Mandy still reach out to you maybe yeah I do have a couple of things that sort of happen like we've got our range hood in our new house that constantly turns itself on the lights or all of a sudden it'll just start turning you know the fan will turn on or when I wake up in the morning I come out the lights are on or every now and then it'll just bip so sometimes I wonder if there is an electrical fault (laughs) it doesn't happen all the time since mum and Mandy I've also um, had other like my nan passed away and then my 48, I think she's 48 or nine, my cousin passed away last year and her brother passed away when I was 24. So I've had so many family, all on my mum's side really, pass away. So now I just think, well, you know, I'm not sure which one it might be, but it's obviously someone just letting me know they're there. I'm sorry to hear that. That's a lot of loss in your family, Sharon. And you know, it's so yeah. lovely of you to come on the show today and share these comforting stories because, as I was saying, you know, it's we share them, you know, warm breath to warm breath and we hold these stories in our hearts for when we need them. And it's so, it's so lovely that you're, you can offer that to the audience today. Thank you. That's all right. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you'd like to share as we approach the end of our conversation today? 
No, not really. I think we've covered most of it. But I guess it's just um, for people who haven't experienced any of this sort of stuff is to, I guess, be open to it. And for people that are sceptical, it's sort of, you know, don't just categorise people because of experiences that you don't understand. Like they happen when they're meant to and, and through certain circumstances. I guess it's just to be open and know that if someone does pass away in your life, they will be there on, on the other side, wherever they are, and they are able to communicate with us in some sort of way. We've just got to look for the signs. I guess embrace it. Thank you, Sharon. They're wise and lovely parting words. Thank you very much for joining us on Spirit Sisters, the podcast today. So lovely to have an original voice from the original book on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Karina. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.